0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Ozzaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. And this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's exactly what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we hear the final message in this series called Master Plan. The big theme of this series is based on the verse in Psalms 127 that says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So after a long life yielded to the master builder, what will be your spiritual legacy? How do you want others to remember you? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, we hope you do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today it's part two of the message called Built to Last. Put a marker in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Make sure your master plan keeps eternity clearly in view. So many of the things that we spend so much time over, so much time worrying about, we don't get to keep it. We're going to pass it on to someone else. We're going to leave it one day. And I'm not saying we shouldn't care about our homes, about our jobs, about our retirement. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, let's keep the big picture in mind. Now if we were to illustrate the, our, our life here on Earth in the scope of eternity, it's a pretty small sliver. And if we really believe this stuff, if we really believe what we gather here and claim to believe, that should affect our decision-making process. When we recognize this stuff here that we're interacting with the, the jobs, the houses, the, the business, the, all this stuff is a tiny sliver in the eye of eternity. What about the rest? Make sure your master plan keeps eternity clearly in view. Don't lose sight of the big picture. Now, keeping eternity in view means remembering three things, and Paul highlighted all of them. First thing, we serve an eternal king. Write that down. We serve an eternal king. Remember what Paul said in verse 1? I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He is the king. And there are some people who sit and go, Well, but I don't believe that. See, I'm an atheist. I hate to tell you this. You know, what you believe in that regard doesn't make one iota difference in regard to the truth. It makes a difference to you and how you'll engage with that truth. But I can say all kinds of things. I can go up to the top of a building and say, I don't believe in gravity. And then when I jump off, this is impossible because I don't believe in this. And as I'm plummeting down, it doesn't matter what I believe. I'm going to come to a very abrupt ending at the end of that journey. And it's not going to be pretty. Because gravity just is. And if any of this stuff means anything to us, if we believe anything, we believe that God is our king and he is eternal and we are accountable to him. Look at how Paul described him in his first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 17. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the king that we serve. That's who we gather to worship. When we were singing earlier and we were worshiping, that's who we're talking about. He's not our pal. He's not the genie in a bottle. He's not that big brother He's God. He's the king. And that should shape us. We live under the leadership of a king. And that kingdom of his is eternal. And one day we will give an account to how we have done. One day we will answer to the king for how we have lived. Paul kept that understanding. There is a king that I serve every day. And one day I'm going to stand before him. And I want to I hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to know that I was a good subject of the king. I want to know that I heard his voice and I followed in obedience. See, if I can just say anything to you as you're engaging this next week and the week after, remember, this is not all there is. This is not all there is some of you will remember I've shared with you about a young man who was in my youth ministry when I was in California who actually ended up having cancer and going through a pretty tough battle and ultimately losing his life to cancer. Great kid, loved his family. His dad and I were good friends and just a, a neat, neat family. And we had already moved back here to Texas when Josh came down with cancer and started going through treatments and it started getting worse. And so um, at one point, I flew back, and it was pretty near the end. And we've been praying for healing, trusting for healing, but I wanted to go back and see Josh and his family. And so I went back, and I remember this sense of, what am I possibly going to say to Josh to bring him comfort? I remember walking up the stairs to his bedroom, and just like, Lord, you've got to help me. Because right now, I, I, don't, I don't have much to say because I need your comfort. I need you to speak to me. And I got nothing for Josh. You know, but doggone, I'm a pastor. I'm going to put on the, the, the armor of God and a happy face, and I'm going in. And I remember going into Josh's room, and he was in bed. In a few minutes, just, I mean, the, something, it was, something was different in the room. Okay? There was almost an atmospheric thing you could sense. And after just a minute or so, I, I realized, okay, Josh is in a different place. He was still praying for God to heal him and knew God could heal him. He knew God is able. God does and has healed people. And yet everybody who God has healed ultimately dies. So healing is not a way to escape death. So we, didn't, we he didn't know for sure. But he was in this sense this place of praying for God to heal. But he was already resolved. I'm already in eternity. I'm already in eternity. Whether I live or I die, I'm following Jesus and I'm I'm, I'm secure in him. So Josh, this kid who was in my youth group, who I taught about eternity, right? I shared the truth of eternity with him and others. I realized, okay, he's experiencing something that I've talked about but I haven't experienced. You ever had something like that where, you, you know, you've taught about it, something you read about, you can teach on it, but it's really different when you're actually there. And Josh was there. He was, he had this detached sense because he recognized we're all actually already in eternity. Josh had processed and walked through this and realized if I, if he heals me and I live, great, I'm still, in, I'm eternal. And one day I'll be with him. Or if he doesn't heal me of this and I pass away and I, go into his presence, I'm in eternity. And he had this incredible peace and a detachment. I just remember being in awe. I don't know if I ministered much to Josh. I think just my flying back there and being there meant a lot to him, but I know he ministered to me. I know I came away like, oh, Lord, that's what it looks like. Give me that sense of living in eternity. The minute you become a follower of Jesus, you are eternal. I mean, we're all eternal. We're going to spend somewhere for eternity, right? The minute, though, I accept, become a follower of Jesus Christ, I am now walking in his presence for eternity. And we need to remember that. We serve an eternal king, and we are part of an eternal kingdom. And eternity doesn't start after I die. It starts right now. We're already there. Oz Guinness, great writer. If you've never read any of Oz's stuff, uh, just very powerful stuff with apologetics and just a, a, a brilliant man, Christian writer. Uh, he's also actually the great-grandson of Arthur Guinness of like Dublin Brewery, you know, the beer. Yeah, and he grew up, his parents became Uh, medical missionaries and so he grew up in China and he writes this he said I grew up in a China that had been ravaged by two centuries of European and American adventuring then by World War II a a brutal civil war we lived in Nanjing which was the nation's capital at the time but there were few good schools to go to so at the age of five I found myself setting off by plane to a boarding school in Shanghai and he says he wasn't the only one this was something that had to be done with a lot of kids just because of conditions He said, but this is the first time in my life I'd been away from my parents on my own. He says, so to give me a constant reminder of the north star of the faith at the center of our family life, my father had searched for two small, smooth, flat stones and painted on them his life motto and that of my mother. He says, for many years, those two little stones were tangible memos. In the pockets of my gray flannel shorts that were the uniform of most English schoolboys in those days. In my right hand pocket was my father's motto found faithful. Found faithful. And in my left hand pocket was my mother's please him. Found faithful and please him. He says, Many years have passed since those little stones since I had those. And they, they were lost in the chaos of escaping from China when Mao Zedong and the people's army eventually overran the capital. He says, but I've never forgotten the lesson of those little stones. Follower of Jesus are called to be found faithful and to please him always, everywhere, and in spite of everyone and everything. I don't know, I read that, that's pretty good. We serve an eternal king. We are part of an eternal kingdom. May we be found faithful and pleasing him Make sure your master plan keeps eternity clearly in view.
0: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Built to Last. The series is called Master Plan, which is available right now on demand on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. Series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit filled life.
1: I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit.
0: Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or Reaching for And now the conclusion of the message built to last with Pastor Sean Azaro. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Second thing, we've been given a mission with an eternal focus. We have been given a mission that has an eternal focus. See, God is working all around us, and he's invited us to join him. In fact, he's called us to join him. This is what I, I want all of us to say. We talk about being called into the ministry, and I definitely felt a call into vocational ministry. This is supposed to be my full-time job, helping people and leading the church and helping people make disciples and helping them in their ministries, and that was my assignment. I felt that call. But I want to suggest you, we are all called to be a part of his work in his kingdom. My call is no more formal or legitimate than yours. It started before the New Testament. Remember what God said to Abraham? Now the Lord has said said to Abraham, he said, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This sense of God doing something, and we know he was talking about Jesus Christ. The mission, God's redemptive mission for the world, has been going on since long before the New Testament was written. We talk about here a lot, the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then this little phrase, and remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So we share that a lot. We have this sense of mission. We are people on a mission. Good news is we don't have to do that mission on our own. This is such an important passage. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We don't have to do this on our own. He's filled us with his Spirit. When we become a follower of Jesus, we are filled with his Spirit, and we're given the sense of mission and the power to actually walk in that mission. You don't work where you work by accident. God has an assignment for you there. You don't live where you live by accident. God has an assignment for you there. We need to understand this. And we need to understand what joy and fulfillment and purpose is found in being a part of his mission. We need to look at ourselves differently. I mean, we look at ourselves, we we believe what the media says about us, or what, what the world says about us, or what other people say about us. Stop it. Look at what the Word says about us, 1 Peter 2. Peter's writing to Christians, 9 and 10. He says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Some of you slouching out there, you should be sitting up right now. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. See, we are people on mission. And God wants us, just by being followers of Jesus, to change the world. And guys, I want to tell you something. Um, Our world is messed up. In fact, our world is messed up. Okay? One syllable of messed up is not enough, we need more syllables. I mean, seriously, I, I, it's, it's hard to even read a news website or a news magazine. And you, you just see the division, the anger, the, the violence, the negativity, the brokenness of people. Do, do you know God loves every one of those people that we read about? He loves them dearly. And he has called us to make a difference by declaring the praises of him who saved us. By just being people who live Jesus. I'm not talking about being a preacher. Okay? You should not try that at home. This is this is professional. Leave this to the professionals, okay? I'm kidding. But I'm serious about the part of not... Uh, It's not you're not called to be a preacher necessarily you're called to just declare who he is and what he's done and folks we live in a very broken world. I I think for us it's sometimes hard to realize it one of the things American Christians are struggling with is we used to live in a country that kind of our faith had most favored status. Okay, we did because this country was founded by people who had a world view of the bible of the christian faith that doesn't mean they were all followers of jesus it doesn't and that's one of the areas where we've gotten confused but because of having most favored status for all of our lifetimes or at least m- most of our lifetimes we kind of have this merging of our citizenship here as americans and our christian faith and that's just not true most christians throughout history would would be shocked to hear that cuz it was crystal clear for them, and it is becoming more clear for us. They had this sense of most, of most of them experienced some type of persecution from their governments or from people who didn't believe. Well, for most of us growing up, we haven't had that, and we're now starting to live in an environment where we could envision that, and it's hard. I want to say to you, um, the United States is not going to exist as it has existed for the last couple hundred years. It's not going to exist that way forever. And just look through world history. I mean, nations rise, nations fall, nations rise in power and empires, and then they diminish. And that's going to happen to the United States, too. And you know what? If the United States ceased to exist tomorrow, I would still be a follower of Jesus Christ. He would still have a plan for this world, and he would still lead, guide, protect, and provide for every one of his followers. Do you believe that? That's the truth. And we need to remember that. And what that does is that frees us up to say, you know what? I'm not going to get bogged down in some of the political ridiculousness that's happening all around me. I'm going to remember that government is not the hope of the world. Politics is not the hope of the world. Your favorite politician or political party is not the hope of the world. For the love of God, pay attention to that statement. Because we act like it is. No, the gospel is the hope of the world. He has entrusted to us the one hope. One hope. And that's it. And he's given it to us. What are we going to do about it? We need to be people on mission all the time. And I'm not talking about you're that weird person who invites people, you know, to sit down and and, and kind of talk about fishing and then you end up, you know, pulling out a video and showing them a, you know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just loving people in Jesus' name. I'm talking about sharing the hope of the gospel when you have a chance. I'm talking about praying for people. I'm talking about taking this spiritual life, this gift, and bringing it into our relationships and making it a part of who we are talking about being representatives of Jesus. See, the only hope is the gospel, and he's entrusted it to us. Make sure your master plan keeps eternity clearly in view. He has given us an eternal mission. Last thing, I'll wrap with this. Investing in eternity means investing in people. I've told you this before. The only thing from this earth that we will take with us is the people we invest in. Everything else, all this stuff that we worry about, and we spend so much time and investment on, it's all going to stay. The houses, the cars, the businesses, the money, all of it, it stays. We don't get to take it with us. The only thing that is eternal is Him and His Spirit and the people who He's placed His Spirit in. See, Paul's final thoughts and words were for the people He'd invested in. Names and faces. To us, they're just difficult to pronounce names. (laughs) Paul. They were names and faces, people he'd invested in, some who were a beautiful memory. Some he had to actually pray to forgive. But it's a revelation. His whole life was about people. That was his legacy. See, he was basically telling Timothy to live the way he had lived. In 2 Timothy 2, too, he gets real specific, a couple chapters earlier. He says, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He says, you, I, I invested in you and others. You do the same, Timothy. See, I want to say to you, your greatest legacy is not your achievement or your possessions. Your greatest legacy is the people you shape for eternity. Your greatest lessons, your greatest legacy is the people that you shape, that you invest in, and that you shape for eternity. That is your legacy. The medical missionary, 1912, his name was Dr. William Leslie ministered in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and he was there for 17 years. After 17 years, he returned to the U.S., and he was completely discouraged. He, was, he believed he had failed to make any impact for Christ, and he died nine years after he came back. Really sad. In 2010, a team led by Eric Ramsey and Tom Cox World Ministries made a surprising discovery. They found a network of reproducing churches hidden like glittering diamonds in the dense jungle across the Kwailu River from the Vanga. And that was exactly where Dr. Leslie was stationed. See, based on his previous research, Ramsey thought that the Yanzi in this remote area might have some exposure to the name of Jesus, but nothing real, no understanding of who he is. They were totally unprepared for what they found. When we got there, we found a network of reproducing churches throughout the jungle. Each village had its own gospel choir, though they wouldn't have called it that. But they did. They wrote their own songs. They would have sing-offs from village to village. They found a church in each of the eight villages they visited, scattered across 34 miles. They also found a 1,000-seat stone cathedral, if you will, that often got so crowded in the 1980s, with many people walking miles to attend gatherings, that a church planting movement began. They simply said, okay, there's no more room, and we don't want to build another one of these, so let's just plant some churches. And they began planting churches in the surrounding village. Apparently, Dr. Leslie had traveled throughout this region teaching the Bible and promoting literacy. He also started the first organized education system in those villages. For 17 years, Leslie had fought all the hardship and trial, and he came home discouraged. He died feeling like he'd failed, but instead, his faithfulness and courage left a powerful legacy of vital churches. I want to say to you, um, you never know what's going on with the people you're investing in. Here's the thing. And this is, I, I want to give you kind of the, our, our secret weapon. Our secret weapon is that we have the Holy Spirit, and you never know what the Spirit is doing in someone before you engage with him, and you no, don't know what he's doing after. There is not a person on the face of this planet that the Holy Spirit isn't calling to, convicting, challenging, whispering to. And so you go, that that guy at work, he, he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, want to hear about it. I know he's got this big need and I want to say I'll pray for him, but uh, he's just going to laugh at me or he's just going to think that's ridiculous or he's just going to, you know, he's not going to understand. You have no idea what the Holy Spirit's been doing and saying in his life. Just step out. Walk across the room and tell the guy, I'm going to pray for you. Be available. Start talking to people. Because, man, you have no idea what the Spirit has done before and you have no idea what the Spirit will do after Your greatest legacy will be the people you shape for eternity. Who are you investing in? Because this, folks, is the thing that will make the eternal difference. Make sure your master plan keeps eternity clearly in view.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series, Master Plan, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.